Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. You can't really take him a day south as a person. Can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like that. The nightcap. We're eating their food on WGR Sports Radio 550. Thank you, Linus. It's Linus Allmark there. Jody Biasi here on the nightcap on WGR 8030550 is the phone number if you're looking to get in on tonight's conversation. Over the next hour. I have got a interesting Bills question, or at least I think it's interesting. I hope it's interesting. I hope it's interesting enough to maybe even it comes up on pregame on Sunday with Nagiri and myself. Well, today's an interesting day. It is the Friday before the biggest measuring, uh, one of the Steelers are on the schedule too, but one of the remaining big measuring stick games left on the Bills' schedule. The Seahawks are in town on Sunday, the third time we've seen Russell Wilson against the Bills, the first time that the Seahawks have been in Buffalo, because we're not counting that Toronto home game in 2012, the first time the Seahawks are in Buffalo since Marshawn Lynch was playing for the Bills, not the Seahawks. That's how long it's been, 2008. And they are, I mean, are they as good as ever? I mean, the Legion of Boom teams from a couple of years ago when they were a Super Bowl winner and then a Super Bowl loser within a two-year stretch, three-year stretch, wherever it was, that team is built differently but looks to be back to the glory that those teams were, where every year it was like Seattle is in it. Like, they are a Super Bowl contender. They've kind of stepped back from that a little bit to where they have been just fighting to win their own division over the past couple of seasons. But, you know, they've still been really good, right? 11 and 5 last year, 10 and 6 before that, 10 5 and 1, 9 and 7, 10 and 6. They've been a 9 10 11 win team for the last 5 years. Now they have what? Have they made the conference championship game since they made it to the Super Bowl? I don't think they have. They've lost in the divisional round three times since 2014, the last time they were in the Super Bowl. They lost in the wild card round in 2018, and they missed the playoffs in 2017. So they've won a couple of playoff games, but they have not even made it to the conference championship game since they were last in the Super Bowl. This year... I think people would be surprised if they don't make it to the NFC Championship game. The NFC right now seems to be 
Tampa and Seattle. Those would be the first two teams that get mentioned and that the odds would tell you are likeliest to be in their conference championship game. Six and one is Seattle. You've got Green Bay also at six and two. They would definitely be in that conversation as well. And then you've got the five win teams in the NFC, which are interesting in that they might be a surprise. Like Arizona, five and two. Are the Cardinals a legit threat? The Saints are five and two, but I don't know. If you watch the Saints, Drew Brees doesn't look like he can throw a football more than 10 yards down the field. The Bears have to be the worst 5-3 and three team I've ever seen. They were 5-1. and one, And, I mean, they just look awful. They look awful. Nick Foles is their quarterback and just can't move the football up and down the field. The defense is great, but can they score? Minus 5-point differential in the season for Chicago. I don't think they're for real. And then the Rams are just kind of weird. The Rams, I think, are good. The record's 5-3. and three. I think they're probably about as good as their record. They lost to the Bills. They maybe should have won that game against the Bills. They lost to the Dolphins last week. They maybe should have won last week against the Dolphins, which is rare that you would say that about a team that lost by 11. But, I mean, you had 500 yards in that game, and they held Miami to 165, 145. I think they maybe just got unlucky last week. So the Rams are pretty good. And here is... The Bills, coming into this season, if you thought about their schedule and why it went from easy last year to more difficult this year, what, why was that? Well, big reason, maybe the biggest reason for that was last year you played the NFC East, which stinks, and that's carried over and actually has been even worse this year. At least last year, Philadelphia and Dallas, who I think both had nine wins or eight or nine wins, they were right there. Had they not won their division, you know, they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs, but they would have at least been in the race this year. I mean, Philly is leading that division at 3-4-1 with two of their wins coming over division opponents, and one of those wins was against the Cowboys without Dak Prescott or Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci. So the Eagles are 3-4-1. I don't even think they're 3-4-1 good, though, which isn't a great record to begin with. So, you went from playing that division last year to this year, the Bills play the NFC West. And the NFC West is the best division in football, no doubt. The Seahawks are 6-1. and one. Arizona's 5-2. and two. They have the number one passing offense in football with Kyler Murray breaking out as a guy that will be maybe nominated for the MVP award. Like, maybe he'll get a couple of votes. I think this is going to be Russell Wilson that wins it. But... Hey, if Russell Wilson wasn't lighting the league on fire, Kyler Murray would be in the conversation. He's having a better season than even Josh Allen is. And they are on the Bills schedule coming up, by the way. Murray this year, if you haven't been watching too much of Arizona, 1,847 yards in seven starts. That averages out to 264 yards per game, passing. 13 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. That's not phenomenal, but you have to add in that in 7 games, Kyler Murray's already got 437 rushing yards and 7 rushing touchdowns. He's got 20 total touchdowns and 7 picks. That's the way I like to do that. Because rushing touchdowns count too. They do. And I do. I used to do that with Tyrod Taylor. I do that with Josh Allen. I'm going to combine them. He's got 20 touchdowns and 7 picks. So Kyler Murray is one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. 
67% completion percentage, too, by the way, if you want that. So they are on the Bills' schedule. You've got the Rams, who the Bills have already beat, but again, they're at least pretty good. They might not be a Super Bowl contender. They may not be a team that wins one or two playoff games, but they're a good team. And then San Francisco, who is now, were they 4-4 four and four going into last night? So they're 4-5 and five now and have the most injuries in the league. Jimmy Garoppolo missing time. He might not be good to begin with, but if you want it, Garoppolo's been hurt. They're running backs. Raheem Mostert. Like last night, the 49ers were without... Their top three running backs, or three of their top four, Raheem Mostert, Jerick, Jerick McKinnon played, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Tevin Coleman, all out. Wide receivers. They're without their number one, Debo Samuel, last night. They were without their number two, Brandon Ayuk. They're out without their number three, Kendrick Bourne. They were without their star tight end, the best player on the whole roster, and George Kittle. And they're missing guys on defense. So the 49ers even are 4-5, and five, and they're missing more than half their team, especially on the offensive side of the football. So they even, when healthy, they're good, right? They were just in the Super Bowl. I wouldn't consider them one of the best teams in the conference, even when fully healthy. But, you know, they're a playoff team, and they're last. That's who the Bills were faced with this year. And here's Seattle on Sunday, which is a stiff test, but... The Bills already beating the L.A. Rams and likely getting to play a depleted 49ers roster. If the Bills end up going 2-2 two and two even in the division, in that division, the NFC West, then you almost, I mean, you cancel out a lot of the worry about your schedule getting harder, don't you? Because to me, the worry would have been, well, if you only win one or none, of those games against that division. That's going to make it hard. But if you go 500 against it, that's a good job. At the beginning of the season, I I probably would have took going 500 against the NFC West. And that was before we even knew that Arizona was this good. So, that's why, like that, plus how good Seattle has looked, I'm not, I don't need the Bills to win on Sunday. I don't need the Bills to win on Sunday, but what I need is them to be in a dogfight beginning to end. I need Josh Allen to match or come close to matching the game that Russell Wilson puts on the field. I need the Bills to instill enough confidence in me and the rest of the fan base and themselves that when they face a team as good as the Seahawks, they can go toe-to-toe. And that confidence that I would have in them from a result that didn't end up in a win, to me is more valuable than the win itself. Because what does the win itself really give you, by the way? This was a question that's been had on social media all day. What's more important, the Bills winning against the Seahawks or Josh Allen playing phenomenal and, you know, like having people at the end of the day going, did you see Russell Wilson versus Josh Allen today? Did you see that? It was a classic. Two of the best quarterbacks in the league. Why is that more valuable? For me, it is a growing realization that this division is the Bills' division. Miami, I have said, and I've said repeatedly, like keep an eye on them. But a game and a half back, you already have one win over them. 
the question mark of Tua Tagovailoa. You know? And looking deeper into that Rams win they had last week, very lucky with all of the turnovers that had huge returns and then a punt return. And then you had, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they did beat the 49ers, but I don't want to put too much finasterix on that, but Garoppolo couldn't really even plant on his ankle and throw the football. They still won it, and they won it by a lot, and that's why I will give them credit for it. But how big a threat is Miami? Because I've said they are a threat, but I don't think they're a big threat. There's a reason the Bills are the second likeliest team in the league to win their division at minus 715. Like That is astronomical. That is That equates to about an 88% chance to win your division. 88%. Do I really need this win over the Seahawks? All I really need to do is beat Miami in Week 17, and I basically have the division. I can go. I don't even have to go 500 the rest of the way. Do I? If I beat Miami in Week 17, and I have the tiebreaker over them, and that is one more win that I will have than them than right now, they'd have to be three games better than you over the course of the rest of the season. So do I need this win against the Seahawks? No, I don't need it. I need the confidence. I need the... I need the... The thought that, yeah, when they play Kansas City again in the playoffs, they can win that football game. They can win it. Because remember what happened against the Seahawks, who are maybe just as good as the Chiefs, or are right there with the Chiefs? Remember what happened in that game? They almost did it. But it was Josh Allen that looked like a franchise quarterback, looked like one of the better quarterbacks in the league, in that game, in a big moment, with another star quarterback that usually will be the show on the other side of the field. To me, that is way more valuable. What are we trying to do here? A win is a win to me. Is like I hate that argument. The win is important. Don't get me wrong. Going 7-2, and two, building a nice, comfortable lead, you don't want to have to worry about the Dolphins, right? And if you beat the Seahawks, I mean, it's going to be tough to think about Miami, isn't it? I get it. I get it. But I guess it depends on what you're thinking about and what is a successful season to you from here on out because that is a tough question to answer. The Bills are 6-2. and two. They have had holes on their team. The defense looks shoddy. It looks worse than last year for sure. The run game has been inconsistent. They've had good moments. Zach Moss looked really good last week. Devin Singletary in flashes has looked good too. The offensive line, run blocking, a little inconsistent. But like they've been, you know... They've had their bad moments too. So that is a worry. But they're 6 and 2. Also Josh Allen has come back down to earth. But again, they're 6 and 2. What is a successful season from here on out? And maybe how you look at a game like this against the Seahawks, where the question that was posed earlier by Mike Shope was, would you rather have 37-34 in a loss? But Josh Allen throws for almost 400 yards. And it's just, it's back and forth. And he just looks like, he really looks like one of the elite quarterbacks of the league. Against a great opponent. Or, would you take a squeaker, 13-12 to victory, and you win it because of defense, and you win it because of the ground game? Which would you take? And for me, it wasn't even close. I'm not trying to win games 13-12 to in the middle of the season. I'm not just trying to be better than the Miami Dolphins to win the AFC East. It's been a long time, I know. 
and maybe this would be different for me if it was a race against Tom Brady and the Patriots, or if it would even, of course, if it had been a closer race at this stage in the game, or if they had a more respect respected opponent that they're racing against than just the Dolphins, or if it was even multiple opponents. If the Patriots hadn't just looked awful this season, and they had also throw, thrust their hat in the ring with Cam Newton at quarterback. Like, there are scenarios where it would be different for me. But I feel pretty comfortable that this team, as long as they don't fall apart, are going to cruise to winning a division and playing a home playoff game. So I've already really mentally arrived at that point. I know it hasn't happened. They still have to win the games. But mentally, I'm preparing for the Bills to win the AFC East. And they're, you know, they're the Bills. The players, the coaches, shouldn't think that way. Don't get me wrong. But I've moved on. I've, in part, moved on. I'm thinking about what do I have to do to win a playoff game or two? What do I have to do? What does this team have to be to be better than Baltimore? Beat the Ravens, even if you're home in the playoffs. What do they have to do? What do they have to be to beat the Steelers? Or to beat the Chiefs? Or to even be capable of beating the Chiefs in a playoff game? Because that's the company I want to be in. That's the company they should be in. I know they've struggled, but the roster is still a great roster. They've got a lot of talent on both sides of the football. Yes, there's holes. They need a franchise pass rusher. I've been yelling about it for two years. They still don't have one. They've got some good pass rushers. They don't have a franchise pass rusher that game in and game out, you can count on him to make the opposing quarterback's life a living hell. That's one big thing they don't have. They have been injured in the secondary this season. Micah Hyde has missed time. And he's been banged up. Josh Norman and Levi Wallace, the two that you were hoping would give you a number two cornerback this season, it's some combination of the two. They have both missed time. And you've been thrusting practice squad guys like Cam Lewis into the fold. You have been had tons of injuries at linebacker, including to your top two and Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. Matt Milano just can't get right, it seems. You know, he's out for a couple of games. He comes back. He's on a pitch count. Now he's out again. And he is as important a player on the, that defense that you got. Ed Oliver hasn't really taken a step forward, so I'm not saying they're a perfect roster. But you would think it's still a very good roster offensively. I mean, name can you name three better receiving cores in the league than the Bills? Stephon Diggs leads the league in targets. He's getting open all the time. He's great yards after the catch. He's great with contested catches. He's one of the most complete wide receivers in the league. Cole Beasley in terms of slot receivers that can just get separation off the line of scrimmage within 5 to 10 yards, he's as consistent as it gets in the whole league. There was a debate last offseason that I had with people, and at the time, I was dead wrong. I wanted the Bills to sign Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb had more of a track record with when it comes to production out of the slot. Cole Beasley, no doubt to me, is a better player than Randall Cobb. Now that I have seen him consistently for two years. I mean, he just, he's so good. He walks off the line of scrimmage. And he just makes two steps in one direction and he's open. It's almost like a guaranteed five yards every play if you want it. So he's great. John Brown, we know, is one of the more underrated outside receivers in the league. He gets open all the time. 
I like their running back combo. They've got good players on the offensive line. Like, this roster is built right now to win now. It is built to compete with the best teams in the conference. It's built to be a Super Bowl contender. And at this point, you have to kind of step back from that. Like, you can't call them that. Because when they've had stiff tests, like even the Tennessee Titans, you fell way short. And here's another one. Here's a a better one. And I'm sorry, like, if they just go up against the Seahawks on Sunday and their quarterback, the the Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, who, by the way, is the biggest reason that you should be able to think of them as a Super Bowl contender, or potentially, because even though he's come back down to earth, I mean, his production is still phenomenal for the season. It's way better than I thought it would have been. If he keeps playing like this, they can win a playoff game, can't they? Like, and when I say this, I mean like the last four games. The last four games, he's been just okay. Is that fair to say? He's been good. He hasn't been MVP level. He hasn't been one of the elite quarterbacks of the league in the last four games. So what could they do? They would be last year's team, wouldn't they? They could win a playoff game. You know, maybe a close one. Maybe you're even on the road. But this team, with the quarterback pulling like this, they're not competing with the Chiefs. So I need to see Josh Allen, you know, get back to showing us that, hey, like I, those first four games, I have that in me still. And it's going to come out. And it's not just a mirage. It wasn't just those four games and that's it. This is not Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2011. This is not Trent Edwards in 2008. This is me. And even if I have a stretch or two every season where I cool off a bit, that quarterback that just goes on a tear for four or five games in a row, that's in there. Because that's... That needs to be in there for the Bills to compete for a Super Bowl. It has to be. You will never beat the Chiefs. You will never, ever beat the Chiefs unless the Josh Allen you saw in the first four games is the guy that's on the field when you play them. When you, if you have to face them, in, if you play, face them in the playoffs, and Patrick Mahomes is not going anywhere. He's not. The Patriots ruled this division for... Two decades. Well, the Bills were not the only ones that had to go up against the Patriots. They were, you know, the Patriots, Dolphins, or the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets were the only ones that had to play them twice a year. But we weren't the only ones dealing with New England. You know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Indianapolis, these Houston, the Chargers. These are all teams that in the course of the last 20 years have had some damn good football teams. And every year, they had to deal with New England. Every year. And maybe the Chiefs are the new version of that because Patrick Mahomes is not going anywhere. And if the Bills, if your ultimate goal is really to win a Super Bowl, then winning the AFC East over the Miami Dolphins in 2020 on the macro scale, is not that big. It's important to fans, and it should be. And it should be somewhat important to their team. But there are bigger things at play here. And you've got a quarterback on a team in your conference 
that is set to rule this conference for a decade plus. And to me, the most important thing with this team right now is not beating the Seahawks on Sunday. It's what you do in that game against the Seahawks on Sunday. It's what Josh Allen does in that game on Sunday. 8030550 is the phone number. What do you think? Is it are we thinking more on a macro scale here or are we still are we are we really consumed by this division race or seeding? You know, seeding could be I didn't mention that. I, I should because that of course could play into it too. You know, right now, like they would play the Ravens week one, week one of the playoffs. And that's not nothing. It would be important to get the two or three and avoid playing the second best team in the AFC North. It would. So that's a that's a good counter argument. And I should have mentioned that too. But to me, I I just can't I can't get past thinking about Kansas City. Because they're here to stay. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll get to your calls right after this. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink think what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply odyssey celebrates mother's day brought to you by t-mobile you can count on t-mobile to help you stay connected on america's largest 5g network we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. See, this is WGR. The hardest thing in the NFL to handle is success. You go back to last Sunday afternoon, and they're playing at home against a team that's owned their division for 20 years. And you figure out a way to win that football game, right? That's this emotional high. Are you the team that finally put the nail in the coffin against the Patriots? Well, Monday, you better show up and get ready for work because you got another game the next week. So I'm really paying attention to Josh Allen and his growth maturity. Show me that you're the leader that I think you are, that you can kind of reset your mindset for yourself and your football team and go, guys, what we did last weekend is great. That's cool. We got 24 hours to celebrate it. Awesome. We got another big game coming. If we're the Buffalo Bills and we think that we are a legit playoff contender, that we can actually make some noise, we got to get this game. Last game doesn't matter anymore. We got to go and show the world that we're good enough to go beat a team that is a legit Super Bowl contender because the Patriots aren't. We knew that. The Seattle Seahawks are. And so, Josh Allen, show me that you're mature enough to play good football this week, to play winning football against the Seahawks. That is former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky on ESPN talking about Josh Allen in this upcoming game against the Seahawks. We'll get to your calls in just one moment at 803-0550. I put a poll up on Twitter because I think, you know, we were – I wanted to talk more macro – more a long-term point of view on the Bills when it comes to Sunday's game against the Seahawks. 
in the first segment. I threw a poll up on Twitter actually before the show started. What is a successful Bills season here on out? Let me know what you think at 803-0550. Twitter poll with what? We're just under 1,000 votes in so far. It's a pretty good sample size. Um, win division, win playoff game, win two playoff games, dependent on Allen's play were your four options. Working from the bottom up, dependent on Allen's play, last with 5%. Win division, second last with 11.5%. 20.2% of you say win two playoff games, and an overwhelming majority of 63.3% say winning a playoff game is a successful Bill season from here on out. And I think I think I would tend to agree. Winning a playoff game would be a successful Bill season. But by saying that, winning the division... And then losing, and that could, you know, maybe that's dependent on opponent, right? Like, if they play Baltimore in the first round and they lose, are we going to crush the Bills? Especially if it's a close game, I think we probably don't. Like, there are scenarios where they win the division and they lose in the first round, and they will lose in the wild card round, and it is a, still a success. Maybe Pittsburgh, if they play the Steelers and they lose a close game. Again, I still might want to call that season a success, especially if Josh Allen keeps playing like this. But there are also plenty of scenarios to me where if the Bills win the division and lose to, you know, Cleveland in the first round, or if they lose to the Colts, maybe, or the Titans, or, hell, if they lost to Miami in the wildcard round after beating them for the division, I don't know how you can call that a success. So, for the division, and whether it's a success, it's not an automatic one. I guess I'll I'll put it that way. For me, it's a combo of winning a playoff game and it being dependent on Allen's play. Because I'm thinking about, with this team all the time, does this roster and this quarterback and this regime combined have what it takes to be capable of winning a Super Bowl? And I think right now... I'm leaning towards yes, but there's not enough evidence to just outright say, like, yeah, you go with five, ten years of this combination of GM, coach, quarterback, and some of the other pieces in play, like, they could do it. I don't have that, I don't, I'm not saying yes right now. Come on, beat one of these great teams. Or have the quarterback for a whole season look like one of the best guys in the league. Then... Then, I'll say yes. Let's go to the phones. Let's start with Jonathan and Alden. Jonathan, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, Joe. Um, I pretty much agree with what you just said, but in, I want to say the coronavirus and the pandemic is also uh, why I have a little bit of lowered expectations of this season. I mean, if the Bills, make a run, if the Bills get hot in January and um, make a run, great. But... Um, I'm looking at this team right now, and they are good. They should win the division, but I don't think they're up there with Kansas City and Pittsburgh just yet. So my hope for the rest of the season is that Josh Allen can continue to show some progress, and then during the offseason, if we have a good finish, Brandon B. and Sean McDermott can put the finishing touches on this roster, and then next season, when we're hopefully free from COVID, we can start getting into a – Super Bowl or bust mentality. I mean, yes, anything can happen. I hope the Bills do get hot this year, but 
it would be a lot better if we could celebrate a Super Bowl without the coronavirus. So that's kind of why I have a little bit lower expectations for this season. So I'm going to say win the division and win a playoff game. Real quick, Jonathan, what would you consider a run, by the way? Like you said, if they make a run, what is a run? Is that two playoff wins? Uh, Two playoff wins and really just when we can start thinking, yes, and really with the mentality of, yes, we can start thinking this team could legitimately win a Super Bowl. I don't think we're the – I don't think we're quite there just yet, but I'll say two two playoff wins. Okay, I think I agree. Thanks for the call. Um, all right, let's move to Patrick. Patrick, you're on the nutcap. What's up? Hey, Joe. Great to talk to you again. Um, Thanks. I love this. I love this topic, and especially this time of year, right? Like halfway through yeah. year three, I think was always kind of like the benchmark of, all right, like we got an idea of the pre-post. I think in terms of you know what do we project. Allen to be and I thought it'd be interesting to think about this in a in a in the opposite way that you just said like uh macro and then micro um so macro right now I'm thinking like all right we have a quarterback that in his third year and again like I think you laid out some really really uh critical points about the mm-hmm. surrounding cast and what the front office did it, 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 in Joe like if, if we talked about this in July and said by week eight, you're going to have a quarterback that's completing 67% of his passes, 16 total touchdowns in, what, five interceptions, right? Yep. Um, I, I think we're <laughs> I think like we're on board for that, right? Oh, sure, definitely. Um, through week eight. So that, that's like long-term. And I'm like, okay, can he do it is the question. And I, I think that's been answered. The micro, and, and I love that you brought the Dan Orlovsky, um clip in because so if you go go back to the you know the the first four games versus the last four, the numbers are obviously different. I mean he he, he had 18 attempts against New England. I don't know what people are expecting him to do. Um, he had 300 yards against the Jets again. Like it was, I, I understand the rhetoric of take what the defense gives give you. I'm fully expecting him to get back to like some of the big play ball. And one or two of those changes the whole conversation around him, right? Yeah, but. To, to Orlovsky's points, like, you know, this is this would be if he doesn't show up Sunday, we're going on five weeks without like a superstar performance, if you will. And I need that, Joe. Like, I'm ready for it, and and I I'm actually really confident that it's going to happen. But I think it's it, it's not just Allen; it's Dable and and, uh, and some other parts that need to contribute to that. Yeah, Patrick, thanks for the call, man. You you started off your point there with like what the numbers are right now, and you know. Sometimes when you hear, like, these are the numbers and you think, well, if the numbers are good, then that's what the success comes, right? Like, no, the numbers are indicative of how good your team is. And it's not an accident that with the Bills' defense regressing, that the Bills are 6-2 and two, given what Josh Allen's numbers are. If Josh Allen had been playing at the same level he did last season, the Bills would not, they'd be 500 right now. At best. If last if 2019 Josh Allen was quarterbacking a football team with this defense, they would not be above a 500 football team. They would not. But he is playing much better than that. And you do have to give him credit for that, even though it has been split into a superstar first four weeks and as maybe an average to a slightly above average second half of his season, of his first half of the season, I mean. Because right now, you're right, like double the stats. It's very easy. Love, love this week. You got to love the midway point for stats because you just multiply it by two. Super easy. He is on pace to be 
plus 67% completion percentage, which again, you said, would I take that? I mean, I wouldn't have dreamed that he could have got that high. And we'll see, because even that's come down a little bit, but it hasn't come down a ton lately. You know, look at his past couple of games. Even, like, the, the two games where his completion percentage is the lowest on the season is the games he's thrown the least. Kansas City, 14 of 27, that's 51%, 27 attempts. And then New England, 11 for 18, that's 61%. But you saw the Jets game, he's 69% in 43 attempts, 41 attempts against the Titans, 63%. So, yeah, the completion percentage seems to be there. And... For everyone that said completion percentage does not represent accuracy, again, it's not perfect, but yes, it does. Because Josh Allen has gotten more accurate this season, and his completion percentage has gone up by nine points. That's not an accident. (laughs) It's not an accident. It's not a perfect stat, but it does represent a lot of accuracy. Then, you double the yardage, and it would be 4,250 yards. Double the touchdowns, 32 touchdown pace, 10 interceptions. And then if I throw the rushing in on top of that, 500 rushing yards, 8 rushing touchdowns, which is on par for what he did last year. That quarterback, with last year's defense, and maybe we're talking about a Super Bowl team, but that quarterback and this defense, and I'm left wondering. But the overall point is that Allen's stepping up the way he has with some other scrutiny, some other turmoil around the rest of the team, that that shows you what you're what you're capable of. That shows you that is more, you know, that's more easily it's more easily repeated. Is if Allen plays like this and he's passing the football like this, you know, like you could fix defense. You nail a draft pick and you get a star pass rusher. You get, you know, another number two corner that is way more consistent than the, the combination they've had right now. Like defense is not that hard to fix. Quarterback can take decades to fix. And when you got a guy in place that is playing this well, and even when other things on your team aren't working, go look at your record. Because a lot of times it's still going to be a good record. And the Bills are an example of that right now. Where their quarterback is so good that, or has played so well, that they are 6-2 and two despite having issues. And for him to keep playing like that, to me, I don't know how you can think that's not the most important thing. For what they are long term. 8030550 is the phone number. Wrapping up our show when we come back. Talk a little fantasy, maybe, when we return. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi on WGR. Last call on the Nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. Final segment of the week. My brother, Lou DiBiase, will be in for Sports Talk Saturday tomorrow from 11 to 2. So be sure to tune in for Lou. Talking plenty more, I'm sure, on the Bills and the Seahawks on Sunday. Then. I'll be joining Nate Geary, as normal, for our pregame countdown to kickoff starting Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I wanted to talk a little fantasy here. I only got a couple minutes to do it. I only got a minute to do it, really. But I just want to get it out there that if you are a fantasy player that has yet to get a share of Zach Moss, this might be the last week to do it or one of the last weeks to do it, especially if you have or if you have Devin Singletary. 
sell on Singletary, buy on Moss before their values really start to flip. And it is not... My point on Moss versus Singletary from a fantasy perspective has never been that Zach Moss is a better running back than Devin Singletary. It is, as a prospect, he was better. And that, at the least, all he's got to do is be comparable. But because of his style of play and how the Bills use him, he will be more valuable as a fantasy commodity. Devin Singletary does get touches. He gets the least valuable touches in fantasy football. He gets the first and second down carries between the 20s. That's what Devin Singletary gets. He does not get a lot of receptions, and that's not his fault. It's part, partially, you know, he's not the best pass-catching running back in the league. I think last year, um, expected yards per target, he was near the bottom in terms of running backs. But there, there's some juice there. But Josh Allen does not check the ball down. 4.2% of the time, Josh Allen checks the ball down on the running back. That is the lowest amount of any starting quarterback in football. So it's just not going to happen for him. You're not going to get receptions. And then when it comes to the goal line and getting the touchdowns, because the two most valuable touches for a running back in fantasy are receptions and are goal line touches or carries inside the five. And Singletary last year had two within the five. This year, I think he's got one. Like, he just doesn't get it. He doesn't get the six points, and he doesn't get the PPR point. So he is a very good running back. I like Devin Singletary as a player a lot. If I were the Bills... I would continue to give him a 50-50 workload, at least, if not even more. But Zach Moss, he doesn't get the receptions either, but Zach Moss will get carries around the goal line. Last week, he had three. Moss had more last week than Singletary had in his entire rookie year. Josh Allen will steal touchdowns, no doubt, and that will prevent Moss from ever being an RB1 or a guy you can rely on week in and week out. But... There's, to me, a way higher ceiling with Zach Moss every week than there is with Devin Singletary because I think he is twice, if not even more than, like, three times likely to get a touchdown than Singletary is. So, again, I hate, I sometimes hate making that case because I feel like I'm bashing Devin Singletary and I don't mean to be doing that because I like him as a player a lot. It's just fantasy, you know, don't expect a ton. And he's still got some value, so he would be a guy I'd be looking to trade. All right, thanks everybody for listening today. I'll be back with you, as I mentioned, on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Tune in for my brother Lou tomorrow at 11 a.m. for Sports Talk Saturday. Thanks for listening. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. This is WGR. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.